0: is The Talking Dead,
1: a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead.
0: Hi everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 479, recorded on Tuesday, March 31st, 2020. Wait, it's not April 1st yet? No, yeah. that's tomorrow. It's been a long day. As we sit and record this, April 1st is tomorrow.
1: It has been a long day. I feel like we've had an entire decade in the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I was watching uh, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and uh, he was doing tweets. Uh, you know, my isolation in six words was the tweet. And my favorite was the longest day of my life, every day. Oh,
0: God, that is so depressing. <laughs> but, I, but I know how he feels. Um, we all do, of course, being stuck at home and staying at home to try and prevent the further spread of this goddamn virus that's going around, the best I can call it. Um, but with that in mind, Jason, uh, I'm going to break protocol a little bit here because yesterday, March 30th, was national doctor's day oh good, good protocol break thank you I, I accept it thank you good um National Doctors' Day, at least in North America some and many other countries, some other places celebrate you know their doctors on different days, but March thirtieth in the u s and Canada and a few other places is national Doctor's Day and with everything that's going on right now in the world, I think it is high time that we you know, celebrate our doctors, nurses, healthcare professionals, whatever, because they are the ones, you know, amongst others, but they are playing a huge part right now in keeping things, um, I don't even know what the word is, keeping things going and not letting us completely fall apart as a society. So yeah, National Doctors' Day, March 30th. Uh, I'm not saying hug a doctor because I do think now we live in the post-hug society, Probably the yep. post handshake society too, um, but maybe if you have a doctor in the family or any healthcare professional, give them a call, send them an email, and say thanks because yeah, they are doing more work now than they ever have had to before.
1: Yeah, they're they're definitely on the front front lines of this bullshit, and uh, you know, good for them. It's uh, you know, and they're putting their lives on the line doing it too. So. Freaking crazy out there. That is really true and really scary as well. Think about having to go into
0: work. I know lots of people work in dangerous jobs and industries and stuff, but right now, right now it is healthcare people. And they're going into work and, as you said, putting their lives on the line, risking, risking everything to try and keep everybody else as safe and healthy as possible. It is a big deal. Very. All right. Well, happy National Doctors' Day to all the healthcare professionals out there. And, um, that's that. So what are we here to do? We are here to talk about season 10, episode 14, which turns out is the penultimate episode for season 10 of The Mm -hmm. Walking Dead, because we only got one more, at least for now. And, uh, we have a full recap to do. So what do you say we dive in? Uh, sure. (laughs) You sounded a little unsure, (laughs) but I'm going to go Yeah,
1: you know, I'm thinking of other stuff we might, we might could do and, uh, might as well do this while we're, you know, while we're here. Might could do, you know, practice some English, maybe. Anyways, season 10. (laughs) No, English, me
0: English good. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's, it's, It's always perfect. Season 10, episode 14 of The Walking Dead. Look at the flowers. It's
1: so beautiful.
0: So thank you, Dan in New Jersey, for that title read. And the story that goes along with that title read is that Dan sent in that audio file and said, you know what, maybe... They're just trolling us, The Walking Dead, a little bit. And Look at the Flowers isn't going to have the same meaning that it does this time as it did the last time. And maybe it'll just really be about a beautiful flower or something like that. So he wanted to do a slightly more silly title read, which I think he succeeded at. He did. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's get to it. This episode starts in the past. The first scene of this episode is Negan in his cell and Carol comes in to talk to him. So this is taking place apparently the night at Alexandria where the council is voting and deciding on Negan's
1: fate. Yeah, so uh, he, you know, as soon as it, uh, he hears the keys jangle, he says shit, mm-hmm. which is the first of two shits in the cold open. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, there you go. I think the shit count is up is
0: being upped on this show a little bit recently.
1: Yeah. And you know, the shit count all over is up. But, uh, one of the things I found interesting about this scene is, uh, they had two different versions of the bars from what I could tell. Really? They had the, the version of the bars where you looked through and from a distance, uh, you could see what you were looking at, but bars are, you know, in a a prison are spaced, uh, so close together that uh, you can't see a person's whole face. If they're next to the, if they're walking right next to the bar, or they're they're right next to the uh, to the bars. Mm-hmm. But these ones, uh, the second version, they were a little bit far apart, so you could see all of Carol's face or all of Negan's face. So I think they had uh, hero bars and then regular bars, or or regular bars and stunt bars, stunt bars, yeah, or something. So from what I could tell, they had two different versions depending on the shot that they were uh, they were using. I could be wrong, but uh, the fact that you could see their entire face uh, was a little bit. Uh, odd. Okay. And the only reason I recognized that is because I was watching a behind the scenes or, uh, some kind of, uh, documentary about Silence of the Lambs and that, uh, that shot where Hannibal Lecter or that, the uh, the whole time Hannibal Lecter was in that cage in the building when they moved him after he was in his, uh, his first cell. Yep. The bars that they had, um, regulation bars were too close together and you couldn't see all of his face. So they built a special cage so you could see uh, all the faces when the sh- they were shooting, you know, close-ups. Nice. Stunt bars. All right. It's Stunt bars.
0: Well, Carol comes in to talk to Negan that night, and she convinces him to go and infiltrate the Whisperers, gain Alpha's trust, and kill her. And, you know, this is something we speculated on for a while. Uh, who did it? And then we found out who did it, and sort of wondered, would we ever see that interaction take place? And I
1: wasn't really so sure we would, but, Here we are, and we're seeing it. We sure did, and Errol did it in such a way that uh, Negan kind of thought it was his idea, which is the best way to convince somebody to do something. Well, the thing is, though, he's worried that if he
0: screws it up, it's going to make things way worse for everybody at Alexandria. And as he said, he is something like 100% not down with that. Yeah. But, of course, she, she convinces him to do it anyway by saying that you know, um, if you want people to forget what you did before, this is a way to make them forget.
1: Yeah. She's lying. <laughs> well, yeah. And we do we basically find that out later. She also- No, wants- I knew that right then because that, you, you, people don't forget, right? You, you murder a whole bunch of people, including friends and family of, uh, the people that put you in prison mm-hmm. and it's a very small community. Uh, it's going to take a generation before people forget, or maybe more. Yeah. Right? It's it's Judas' generation, when they grow up and everybody else dies, that are eventually going to forget that what Negan did. Uh, but Carol and Michonne and Daryl and Father Gabe, and, and nobody there in Alexandria can possibly forgive Negan for what he did. And I can't believe that he buys that shit from Carol. Well,
0: yeah. I I I don't think he 100% buys it, but I think he figures it's probably his best shot. You could argue that Judith has in a way already forgiven him, kind of, because she's there talking to him. They've become they've formed this relationship, you know. And so I think maybe Negan is banking on the fact that yes, the next generation already has um moved on from that. And so maybe this is something he can do to to help the the older people, you know, get over it (laughs) if, if, uh, if, if I can use that term. So I don't know. I mean, I, I agree. It's pretty hard to imagine that anyone would totally forgive him, but I think, I think he's feeling this might be
1: his last chance. Yeah. So say I came over to your house and (laughs) murdered your dog. I know you don't have a dog, so I can use that as a, sure. A, a safe thing to say. Right, right. It doesn't get personal. So I us say I murdered your dog. Your dog's name is Max, and uh, he's been a friend of the family for, uh, you know, nigh on 10 years. Oh, Max. He's, he's, love such, a, he's him. such a great dog, yeah. He's such a great dog. He's a, he's a Newfoundlander. Why not make it a big, crazy dog? Uh, so you have this big Newfoundlander Max that is, uh, you know, 10 years old. Your your daughters love him. You love him. Your wife loves him. You walk him all the time. And I come over to your house and I stab him in the throat like six times. And he bleeds out in your living room. I forget if you have a carpet or not in your living room, but let's say you do and he stains the carpet and you, you cannot get the blood out of the carpet. You have to throw it away. You have a big funeral for the dog. Uh, and then six years pass. Uh, is there any way, like, is there anything I could do? That would make you forgive me for murdering your dog it
0: it seems unlikely,
1: yeah, yeah, and Negan you know effectively killed many loved ones that were people, uh-huh, you know, you know everybody loves their dog and stuff, and they're pretty much people, right yeah, 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 but the it's a dog right i mean the 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 laws are not the same for murdering a dog as they are for murdering a person. If sure. I were to murder a dog, I'm not going to jail for thirty years. I mean, you. I don't know you, what, you, I don't know what the crime would be. You'd be in it, trouble. It's a long, I'd be in big trouble, but I don't think it would be, uh, you know, uh, life in prison. No, probably not. It might, it might, should be. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, uh, I cannot believe that Carol thinks that he would buy that. And I cannot believe that Negan would buy that. The only thing I can think is that Negan is also bullshitting Carol. That he's saying, I need to, you know, can you promise that, uh, uh, that you'll spread the word so that they forgive me for this. And she's saying, yes, I'll, uh, you know, I'll make sure everybody forgives you, uh, or forgets about what you did before. If you do this and maybe he's just looking to get out of this cage any way he can, even though later in the episode that kind of turns out to be false. But my thought at the time was they, they're just, they're bullshitting each other.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe they are, but that's what she promised at the time. She also promises that or she also asks him that to do it as fast as possible. She wants it done quickly. Um, So anyways, we cut back to the present and we have Carol putting Alpha's head on one of those fence spikes at the border. Negan is there, of course. He wants to head back to Alexandria, but Carol complains that it took him too long to do the deed. And Carol won't go back. She says she has to be alone and kind of leaves Negan to stand there with nothing to do because he says, if he goes back to Alexandria, he's going to be hung immediately. So he even kind of realizes that if he goes back without her, um, regardless of what has transpired, no one is going to believe anything and they're going to want to string him up. Um, But at the other you know, on the other side of things here, Carol is reneging on her end of the deal, right? He held up well, his side and she needs to hold up hers.
1: Well, did he though? Because she put a condition on it that was almost impossible to, uh, to live up to, you know, do it fast and, you know, please define fast in well, order exactly. for to be able to accomplish this. So she set an impossible standard in order to give herself an out. So I think it was completely unfair of Carol, but you know, and Negan screwed it anyway, even if Carol said, uh, uh, Yeah, you did perfectly. Good work. Uh, I love it. This is exactly what I wanted. Uh, I owe you absolutely everything I promised. Not right now, though. I'm just going to go, you know, walk about for a little while. Yeah. Uh, you know, wait here. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, you know, wait for what? Wait for <laughs> Carol to come back to this spot? Wait, you know, where's Negan going to wait?
0: Yeah. That seems to be what she's saying. It's just like hang out here. I need to be alone for a while. And, James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, basically is not really on Carol's side either. He said, holy crap, I instantly turned against Carol after she threw a tantrum and double crossed Negan, the guy who finished what she couldn't. For every step forward, Carol takes two
1: steps back. Yeah. That's what James so, said. This is how you uh, uh, deflect and obfuscate. It's, it's how you get out of, uh, you know, giving your word. You yeah. give an impossible situation, uh, you know, an impossible condition. And I do it all the time with Jasper. <laughs> I do it all the time. Like, we need you to eat your dinner. Uh, can you have a few more bites, please? How many? <laughs> like, wow. Well, um, you know, eat some more and, you know, we'll reassess the situation later. I don't say it in quite those terms, but, uh, you know, I don't say three bites because he'll take three tiny little bites and he'd be like, I'm done. I don't know. You know, this is the agreement. I'm done. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I can't, I I can't. It used to be easier. <laughs> 'Cause he didn't know how to count. Sure. And I would tell him, you know, three more bites and then I gotta give him a couple of bites and he'd say, like I said, three more bites and then you know, but now he can count and he he understands the, the the very nature of an agreement. Uh-huh. So uh you have to you have to skirt that. Sure. And Carol did a, a masterful job in uh providing a, a very loosely termed condition in order to renege and still maintain her self esteem. All right. Well, Carol is is a genius. We go to the opening
0: credits, and when we come back, we are now with the rest of the group from Hilltop, who are at this rendezvous point. Jerry is checking on the kids, realizes they're all okay. Ezekiel, he's upset about failing and not being able to bring the kids, but Jerry reassures him that everything is okay. Magda returns and is greeted by Jerry, who is delighted to see her alive, because, of course, he was with her when the When the mine blew up and he got out, she didn't. Yep. Uh, we see that Rosita has been injured. She's got a big bruise on her sort of stomach, abdomen area. Um, but hopefully it's not too bad. And Eugene is treating her and, uh, he mentions that Alex, the doctor who we've barely met is missing. (laughs) I thought the line was funny. He said, I can take you to see Alex once we find Alex. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which i thought was hilarious um but she rosita tries to convince eugene to tell everybody about stephanie so he decides to do it he gets up he gets everyone's everyone's attention and starts to talk and at first many of them react badly because you know he had a secret they feel it could be dangerous to the group um and they they don't know who this stephanie person is but king ezekiel steps up and says that at least they have to hear him out, and he reminds everyone that they're all on the same side, yeah, right
1: he uh, they jump all over him, like uh, you know who is this? How long have you been talking to her? She's a bad person, she's gonna kill us all, you know it's like, you know, slow down there, yeah, let me tell you what's going on before you decide to kill me, yeah, and you I know at I, least let me say something
0: right, and i I think that's the right thing to do, at least I'll lay out a case. And if you still think this is a terrible idea, then fine. We can talk about it. But yeah, he barely got a word out. So Eugene finishes his story at this point. He's nearly in tears as he's doing it. And he basically says that the hope of some new good people out there is worth the risk. And uh, I like that. It's good, you know? Try to find new people and you might have to take some risks to do it. So Yumiko comes outside to see Magna and they decide together sort of that Yumiko will go with Eugene to meet Stephanie and it's because Magna needs some home time a little bit of routine she just got out of a a mine by pretending to join a walker herd and she just needs to take it easy for a bit so Yumiko is going to go and the only thing I thought was weird about this scene to be honest Jason is that they have this conversation. They decide that Yumiko is going to leave immediately after they've been reunited here. And there isn't even like a hug or a goodbye or a tearful farewell or anything like that. They just agree to this. Yumiko gets up and walks away.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to understand a relationship from the outside. Well, fair enough. But you'd think, you'd think there'd at least be a hug. I
0: you know I something like uh. that it didn't feel right to me it just it's like they they're in this relationship they have this conversation they're just reunited now she's going to leave and that's it she just leaves I I didn't like
1: it Yeah well I mean they're exes right so maybe they're not a exes hug. they're they're a current couple I thought they were they broke up Did they break up I don't think they broke up I
0: think they were separated at a difficult Time in their relationship, but ultimately are still together. They've kind of worked things out, I felt like.
1: I'm not entirely sure that's true. Okay. Maybe I'm Let's, misreading. Uh, it. Okay. Listeners, tell, tell Chris he's wrong. <laughs> I was going to say that, you know, we should uh, tell us which one is wrong, but, uh, you know, chances are you're wrong. Yeah, so, chances are. So, yeah, let me know. Did I misunderstand this or did Chris misunderstand this or uh, what's going on? What show are we watching again? My, I think even if
0: they are broken up, I think maybe a goodbye hug would be appropriate. That's, that, that I feel is true. So either way, I just felt like they weren't, they didn't demonstrate any of this closeness that these two characters should probably have. And I didn't get why.
1: But Uh, maybe it was, uh. Changed my mind. I have no idea. I, I don't know. It's, it's a mystery.
0: All right. Well, anyways, we go on to Jerry. He sees Ezekiel there tending to a horse and, uh, turns out Ezekiel is going as well with, uh, Eugene and Yumiko. And Jerry says he'll miss him. Then Jerry, they, they joke around a little bit. Jerry calls him foolish in kind of a nice way. And Ezekiel says he's a fool, but it's worth it to look for new friends. And Ezekiel asks Jerry to ensure that the kingdom lives on. And uh, instead of calling him boss, Jerry calls him by his name, which is one of the first times we've seen that, I think.
1: It is. It was, uh, it was a nice touch. It was nice.
0: So now we go over to Beta and a couple of other Whisperers. They find Alpha's head on the spike, um, and we can see that Beta has refashioned his mask together back into one piece. You can see the seam down the front of his face. Yeah, he uh, used some kind of super glue, I assume. Something like that, I guess. Yeah, you just put it right back together.
1: Well, you can use uh, you can use crazy glue because that'll glue skin together. Super easy. Sure. Why not? There's probably lots and of crazy it, glue sitting around these days. So crazy glue, uh, um, they used to. Well, there's a form of crazy glue that doesn't have as many chemicals in it that they use to uh, to seal wounds. Oh yeah, yeah. So you you can use a cyanoacrylate. I forget how to pronounce it exactly, but. Uh, yeah, crazy glue. So you can, uh, it glues skin like awesome. When my, when Jasper had his injury on his head, they didn't use stitches. They just kind of folded the skin together, put some crazy glue on it and stuck it together and put a bandage on it and said, good luck. Yep. (laughs) Well,
0: I'm sure if he needed stitches, they would have done it, but this glue stuff works pretty well too.
1: Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great. So yeah, I, I assume that, uh, he used crazy glue. Yep.
0: I don't see why not. Uh, well, anyways, uh, they come up to Alpha's head. One of the whispers he wit he's with says that Beta is the Alpha now, because Alpha's dead. And Beta becomes rather offended by this, and he says that she can hear you. He asks the Whisperer to take off his mask, and he pushes the guy's face right up to Alpha's head and allows her to bite him in the cheek. Beta's saying things like he wants the guy to listen to Alpha and hear what she's saying. Meanwhile, the other Whisperer that was with them just runs off because, you know, he's got the right idea, I think. Yeah. And uh, then Beta picks Alpha's head up off the spike and cradles it like a
1: baby in his arms. So, so this was interesting. Not weird I mean, at didn't all. Quite, it quite, yeah, it's very weird, but <laughs> I, it didn't quite go in the direction that I thought it was going to go. And I thought that, and it didn't quite, yeah, uh, and then it, it was going to go in another direction that I thought they were going to take on uh, for future episodes, but it didn't. Uh, we'll come to that later. What I assumed was happening here was that uh, you know last week we talked about uh, you know Beta going crazy and uh, going on a rampage, uh, and that uh, the Whispers would fall apart because without Alpha, that cult of personality. Without Alpha, there's nobody to uh, to. Mm-hmm. You know, put this keep these people together. Uh and then beta comes out of nowhere and basically deifies this head. Like they've honored the uh the walkers for a long time. They're, yep. they're the guardians, right? They're they're kind of uh you know the honored dead if you will. Uh so what I thought that he was going to do is he was going to take this zombi- zombie head that was alpha and make her into a god that would uh you know tell him what to do because he was he's the only one that can hear this other guy obviously can't hear it and uh, is punished for it, mm-hmm. you know. Can't you hear her? I thought so. I thought that this was gonna alpha uh, sorry, beta was gonna take Alpha's head back to the to the whispers and go, uh, you know, uh, Alpha has ascended to uh godhood and uh, we should continue to listen to her, yeah. And I thought that would be a resolution to the uh the power vacuum that would happen because she died. But yeah. Ultimately didn't go there. But I thought that was uh at this point I was like, hey, this is a really interesting idea that I hadn't even considered.
0: Yeah, I can I can see how you would would get that from it too, the way he just cradles the head, right? Um and it would have been interesting actually now that now that you mention it. Um but it doesn't ultimately go that way. And Gemma in South Wales had this to say. Holy crap, alpha's reanimated head ate a guy's face off i think that was the most disgusting thing i've seen on the walking dead in a long time but the guy the other whisperer ran off into the woods is quite funny so you know i don't know about that guy getting his face eaten by alpha's head is the most disgusting thing but uh, it was pretty horrifying i guess you don't want to be pushed forward into a chomping zombie face like that so pretty scary
1: yeah, but you kind of have to let yourself be pushed forward into a zombie face like that. Because <laughs> uh, Alpha, sorry, Beta was uh, was only using his arms to push in. And uh, this guy had, you know, his entire body to push back. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, step aside and then go forward, right? Use the, the force against him. So this had to be, this was a willing participant in this uh you're biting crap. Mm, I don't know. I think, I mean, I, I see what you mean. He probably could
0: have resisted a little bit more, but Beta's a pretty strong guy.
1: He is. But, you know, if you're trying to push towards a, a very specific point and to either side of those points, uh, if you stepped even a little bit and stopped resisting, you would get pushed past the threat. And then you do what the other guy did and just bolt. <laughs> Run away. You can never come back. But if you can get far enough away, I guess you're good. Well, you're about to get your ear bitten off by a zombie and you're probably going to die in a very short order. So you're not coming back either way. So make your choice, pal. And I think he did. So I, I assumed he was a willing participant in this uh, this wh- horrific act. All right.
0: Super weird. But,
1: you know, the Whisperers are super weird. So maybe you're
0: right. We cut over to Negan and he's going back to the cabin where he left Lydia He goes in, and of course, she's gone, but instead, Daryl is there, and he raises his crossbow at Negan, and he wants to find Alpha. Negan explains what happened. He shows Daryl Alpha's mask, which he has in his pocket, and uh, Negan also says that Carol let him out of the cell. So that's out in the open now, at least with Daryl, that this was all Carol's idea.
1: Why why was Daryl there? Well, I don't know how did he get there? When did he get there? How long was he waiting? Did he know Negan was coming how did he know where to go? yeah yeah i'm I'm anyway. not sure
0: if that is explained. you know i I can see him going out to look for Lydia, of course, but he didn't get there before Lydia escaped. So how did he know she was there other than maybe there was a chair with some rope on it? Could be could could, could have been anybody tied up there, right? So I'm not sure if anyone has an explanation to. As to why Daryl is there, other than coincidence, let us know.
1: Yeah. Was, you know, did Daryl, was he looking for a place to take a dump? He's like, oh, geez, I really got to go. And I don't like pooping outdoors, which is weird because he lived outdoors for a very long time. Yep. Uh, Where's his dog? Anyway, um, so maybe he was just like, you know what? I need to poop inside today. So instead of pooping in a big pit like the Whisperers do, he decided to go into this cabin and treated as an outhouse. And he was in there when Negan came in. He's like, oh crap. Luckily that's Negan and I have my crossbow. And, uh, you know, they <laughs> shot Daryl from the, from the, the chest up, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe as soon as they cut away, uh, that's when Daryl pulled up his pants. Yeah, maybe. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I don't know what he was doing there. Um, it is sort of weird. I was wondering the yeah. same thing, so. Pro- prove me wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure you can. Anyways, after a, uh, no, not yet. We go to Carol in the forest and she starts, she's walking along. She starts hearing voices whispering her name. And it turns out she is having visions of Alpha talking to her. And before a commercial break, we just see Alpha say to her that she's always watching. So there you go. This was very
1: disappointing to me. Really? Well, sort of. It gets a little bit better, but. When Negan slit her throat and cut her head off, mm-hmm. and I was very happy and excited about that. Yeah. One of the things I was most happy about is that Alpha wasn't on the show anymore. And now Alpha's on the show again. So I think I was a little disappointed. All right. I'm, hope, I'm hoping Carol gets over this pretty damn quick. Uh, so, it, but I just, I'm, I'm sure it won't last much longer. Well, no, and I, you know, killing her off, you're, uh, you know, with a few episodes left, it makes sense that the, uh, the character would be in the show
0: as a vision. Yeah. Well, well, two things. Number one, I think it's actually over with in this episode, um, which we'll get to towards the end, but it, it didn't bother me so much because it is, it, it it's a good way of visually describing what's going on in Carol's mind right now. Right. Yes. And I think that worked really well for this episode. I wouldn't want it to go on for too long. I don't want to have Carol having visions of alpha for two more seasons. That's not going to be good, but I think we're done with it already. And I thought it worked pretty well. And I also thought, um, Samantha Morton's acting here was as good as it's been on the show. Maybe the best it's ever been as alpha. And it's when she's representing sort of the alternate side of Carol's thought process right now. So overall, I'm with you. I'm glad that Alpha's gone and, and moved on, but this was okay for
1: me, and I think they did it pretty well in this one. Okay. And just to be clear, you're absolutely sure that she's not a ghost? <laughs> not
0: a ghost. She is the manifestation of, of a conflict that Carol's having in her own mind. That's what she is. Are you sure?
1: I'm going to say yes, I'm sure. (laughs) Okay. I'm not sure. All right. Fine. We'll get to that later, but uh, I'm not entirely convinced that uh, this is not an actual ghost. And of course, you know ghosts can read minds, right? You know that. Uh, Sure. Why not? Why not? They're ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. So they're on a different plane. Yeah. And uh, that, it's hard to explain, but that plane is where our thoughts take place. They don't take place in our brain. They get, they, they actually, uh, you know, we use computing power or brain power from the ethereal plane in order to, uh, t- to manifest our thoughts, uh, or to work on our thoughts and the ghosts exist on that plane, except for when they, you know, cross over into our plane every, every now and again. So they can sense those, uh, calculations and those, uh, you know, our thoughts that happen on the, on the ethereal plane. Are you making this up as you go along? Yes. Okay. (laughs) It never occurred to me before now. So I made that up just mere moments ago.
0: All right. Well, if you have evidence to support your claim as the episode goes on, I'd like to hear it.
1: Well, there's something. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll get there. Okay.
0: After a commercial break, we are with Beta. He's in a town somewhere now. And the guy who got bit is still with him. He's still walking there beside him. That dude starts coughing because he's dying, which attracts a walker. He goes to kill it, but Beta stabs his... Former whisperer friend through the chest, and then lets the walker eat him alive. So he's being eaten. Uh, Beta goes inside a restaurant or <laughs> wait, bar wait, wait, type place. Wait,
1: wait, wait, yeah. So back up a second. A uh, couple things. Uh-huh. Uh, one, this Yahoo gets you know bit by a zombie. He knows what's going to happen, right? Like of he course. knows, yeah. So he's walking around with uh, with Beta. Knowing full well that he's going to become a uh, a zombie, so this is further evidence that he's a willing participant in this whole friggin' mess. Uh, then he gets stabbed through the chest for I don't know what reason. Uh, I guess he was going to you know kill that other zombie by stabbing it in the head, uh-huh. which would have eliminated one zombie. This way, he gets two zombies out of the deal. Yep. Right. Okay. So it's it's math. Okay. So he's doing math. The second thing is that uh, where did I get the bag? The sack with the head oh, in sorry, it? Sorry, not the head, not Alpha Beta. Yeah. Beta has a sack now with the head in it. Uh-huh. So two questions about the sack. One, where did he get it? Why is it bloody?
0: Well, I mean, maybe all the blood hadn't drained out of her head yet,
1: and so it, uh... Her head was on a pike, and, uh, you know, had been... Negan headed for a while, and slit yeah. her throat. Yeah. So there's no blood left in that, that that head. So he found a bloody sack? Is
0: it the same sack that Negan was using? Maybe Negan just chucked it on the ground when they put the head on the steak.
1: Okay. That makes sense. Okay. (laughs) Good.
0: (laughs) That was easy. (laughs) So can I move on? Yeah, please. Beta. He goes into this restaurant or bar type thing, and it looks to me as if somebody had been living there, possibly recently. He finds a paper on a table that says, these two eyes see one truth. And then there's a bunch of music stuff, um, guitar and so on. And there's a poster on the wall for a country artist called Half Moon. Half Moon. Yes. Turns out that that's him. He tears it down and smashes the guitar.
1: Yeah. So uh, one night only, uh, September 15th, which is my brother's birthday. Okay. Oddly enough. So here's my question. Yeah. Did he play that show? And was that show performed here?
0: Well, the poster is obviously for a gig that came before the zombie apocalypse. We don't know if it was just before or years before. So he may very well have played that show for all we know. In fact, I've... he probably did. If it was before the apocalypse, why would he have not played that show? I guess unless it was planned for the future. And the zombie apocalypse happened before September fifteenth.
1: Well, I assume the zombie. <laughs> I'm assuming that <laughs> the zombie apocalypse happened after the night the premiere aired. So the night of the premiere, of Halloween, the dead twenty ten. Right. So that night, uh, the f- the opening shot was uh, Rick and the little girl. But then they flashed back to uh, Rick and Shane in their uh, cruiser. Yeah. Having a conversation. Correct. I, I, so the uh, Rick and the little girl, that was a flash forward. Uh, but uh, Rick and Shane in that car, I assumed that was Halloween 2010. No, 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 no. Because Rick gets
0: shot, goes into a coma. He's in a coma for a few weeks before uh, October 31st, 2010. So that's He wakes scene... up on October 31st. No, he wakes up. Well, I think he wakes up after that, doesn't he? Or maybe he does. Ah, this is stupid, but he, maybe he wakes up October 31st and the zombie apocalypse happened like mid-October.
1: Well, six weeks. He was in the coma for six weeks, wasn't he? Why am I thinking six weeks? I don't know, but six right. weeks takes you right back to the middle of September. Okay. So what was, <laughs> it said Saturday, September 15th. So September 15th on 2010, was it a Saturday? I mean, if only, uh, how, there how was a way even, to find out, well, there's only 14 possible calendars, uh-huh. and uh, so I don't know if there's a website that can tell you that information. <laughs> but I don't feel like looking it up right now. But my assumption is that September 15th, Saturday, September 15th, was 2010, and that uh, Half Moon did play the, that show. And I'm not sure if that show was here or not because this is some kind of bar. But he was bigger than just a, a bar performer, right? We well, played I, I would a think live so, album. Yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. played a live album, so this this guy was just a fan. All right, so he had a fan. He had a poster. So there's no correlation to uh, Half Moon performing at this bar. Okay, I'm good. Saturday, uh, sorry, September fifteenth, twenty
0: ten was a Wednesday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this <is> all moot. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Good um, conversation. Good in, talk. In, interesting analysis, but it was a Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, now we, so that's all we see of Beta for the time being. We go back to Carol. She's in the forest. Alpha's still talking to her. Alpha mentions Henry and Sophia dying. She's going way back here. Uh, she, she does say that she respects Carol for ending her. Like, you know, that's, I mean, uh, that's worthy of respect and the way she she sees things. Um, Carol mostly ignores her, Alpha, but eventually tells her to stop, and Alpha accuses her of feeling regret for what she's done. So clearly, you know, as we sort of already knew, Carol is feeling some regrets for getting people hurt or killed or missing or whatever. Um, She... She then says, Alpha says that she can't be on her own because people will always pull her back. And Alpha is questioning what Carol really, truly wants. You know, is it to be by yourself? Is it to be with the community? Is it something else? And at this point, Carol almost gets grabbed by a walker who seems to be hiding in some bushes. And she's okay. Carol turns around, kills it, but says that she wants to be alone is what she wants. But so, uh,
1: that's not it, Alpha says. <laughs> well, it might not be it. No. But you know, Carol's just having doubts, right? So if if uh you know if, if this is a hallucination, Carol's having doubts. Uh well, it doesn't matter. If she's a ghost, you know, she can read Carol's thoughts from the ethereal plane. So uh Carol's having doubts. But a couple things. One, uh Alpha jumps around, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting because she's uh she stands still while Carol continues walking. And then all of a sudden, she's in front of Carol, which I thought was awesome.
0: Right. Well, that's that's a good way to portray the fact that this is just Carol imagining things and wrestling with her own internal feelings.
1: Well, ghosts are not, you know, limited to well, single space. Fine. Anyway. <laughs> but the the other interesting thing is that Carol stabs that zombie through the, the through the jaw into the brain with a flat stick. Like it was not just. It's not rounded. It's not pointed. Uh, it's not even, it's not even like a, a, a snub nose kind of thing. It's flat. And she stabs it right through the head. It wasn't
0: a, kills it, it wasn't a knife? Like she didn't pull a knife from her belt and stab it? No, it was her stick
1: that she was carrying, her walking stick. Oh, okay. Well, sticks are dangerous weapons. Don't forget. <laughs> just, uh, it just amazes me. This universe that they live in is weird. Yeah. It's a little weird. So I'm assuming if zombies exist, why not ghosts? I mean, maybe ghosts are, anyway, we'll get to that.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure we will. <laughs> so now we go to a commercial break and we come back. We're with Eugene Yumiko and Ezekiel who are on the road, on the way to meet Stephanie. And Eugene's talking about candy and how his mom used to buy chocolate bunnies at Easter. Uh, you know, and he's kind of hoping that maybe this new group of people have candy
1: because why not? Sounds great. Well, let me ask you a question as a Canadian. Sure. Do you consider chocolate bars or chocolate candy? Uh, well, yes, I do. Chocolate bars are candy. You do, yes. I don't. Well, don't forget they're just separate. When you say when I say candy, what you know is your first thought a chocolate bar or is it like jujubes?
0: No, it is. It's things like gummies, sweet tarts, that kind of stuff, right? But I do lump chocolate bars. We call them chocolate bars in the states. A lot of places they call them candy bars. Um, right. but I do lump chocolate bars into a general candy category. Yes. So when you say I'm going to the store to get some candy. It could, you... it could be a bag of gummy bears. It could be a bag of
1: Swedish fish. It could be a chocolate bar. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, you know, I, my first thought is Swedish berries.
0: Well, yeah,
1: th- those count too, but. Well, that, all... no, those, those are candies. I don't lump chocolate bars or, you know, chocolate. Chocolate bunnies, chocolate bars, chocolate nuggets. Chocolate nuggets. Is that a thing? <laughs> chocolate chips? Could <laughs> be. <laughs> <laughs> Should be. But I don't I don't consider that uh candy. And I was wondering if that was a Canadian thing or just a me thing. No, it might be a
0: you thing, but you're also from rural Canada. I'm from urban Canada, so it could be a difference. I
1: I don't know if I'd call it rural. The Sioux has, you know, had eighty thousand people. It's not exactly, you know, farmland. Oh, maybe not, but I grew up
0: in a city of five or six million. I think that's a little different.
1: (laughs) Two million. That was before the amalgamation.
0: Oh, technicality. (laughs) Anyways, um, we're on the road. They're talking about chocolate bunnies and candy, or maybe not candy. They're riding along on the horses, and they come to some zombies that are in a cage. Yeah. And they decide to investigate. So they look around the area. We only follow Ezekiel and what he's doing. He he get he jumps off his horse, has to kill a few walkers, but really really struggles. He runs out of energy really fast. He starts coughing a lot and he's almost overpowered by this third zombie and he almost dies, but he manages to kill it and he's okay. But I have some questions about what's going on here. What is with these zombies in the cage because they question if it's whisperers and Eugene says, "No, it's not their mo. So who is it? Why are they there? What are they doing?" There's a pigeon sitting on a on a piece of wood, like like entertaining the zombies. Almost.
1: I mean, what the hell's going yeah. on here? What? Yeah. So it's very odd. First of all, like this cage with a couple of zombies in it uh, is a bit odd. What the hell is that pigeon doing there? Uh, and how did they get the uh, the stunt pigeon to stay there? I assume that the stunt pigeon was actually Tied down, because why wouldn't it just leave? Uh, and the cage bars or the, the 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 mesh that that we're holding it is was way bigger than a pigeon needed to get out. So that pigeon was there, you know, willingly.
0: Well, I mean, that, unless it was tied there. That aside, I mean, yes, I I understand. I don't know what the pigeon was, why it was still there, but pigeons are pretty fucking dumb, man. Like they'll they just walk around and 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 don't seem to be afraid of humans at all. So. I can well, see I don't
1: know if there's a big difference between a pigeon walking around and not being afraid of humans because they know humans can't fly. And you know, frankly, they don't consider us that fast or a big a threat. But this pigeon was like sitting on a stick like a couple of inches outside of the arm's reach of the zombie that was essentially yelling at it. Yeah. If I if I was you know, uh, six inches or let's say a foot and a half, 18 inches away from being able to reach a pit at pigeon and I was hissing at it, it would stand up. At the very least it would stand up. Sure. This pigeon was sitting down. Okay.
0: Well, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the pigeon being there at all is weird, but I got the feeling that the pigeon was there as like bait. For the zombie to keep the zombie active, for example, right? I don't know why the pigeon stayed, but to keep the zombie from just like standing there doing nothing or the, the two zombies. But the bigger question for me is what, what's going on here to begin with? Why are they in this cage? Who put them there? I mean, I don't think we're supposed to have the answer to that, but I also feel like the show needed to make it make sense somehow. And it didn't. They're just there in the middle on the side of the road. And for no purpose other than to distract our, you know, three-person convoy of people um, to give us this scene where Ezekiel is basically unable to handle a very simple zombie situation. Um, Right. which, Which is important information. We, you know, we have to know that he is struggling and he doesn't have the energy he used to, and he's really, you know, not able to go out on his own, you know, too much. I mean, that's all good but it felt forced because I have no idea why there were zombies in a cage. Uh, and I feel like there's probably a million other ways to separate these characters for a short time to give us that information.
1: So it was weird. Well, based on information that comes later in the episode, my assumption now is that they were placed in this cage for entertainment purposes. Like, whoever put them in there wanted, thought it was funny. It feels like it, but again, if
0: there's... If there's another explanation out there that we're not seeing, I am all for it. So bring it on.
1: Yeah. And why was that pigeon sitting down? Like even he <laughs> was sitting on a piece of wood that was stuck to the cage and this cage was moving around all over the place. You know, pigeons are dumb, but they're not aloof. <laughs> right? Just, there's one thing I know about
0: pigeons, they're not aloof.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know, uh Uti was very friendly. I've told you about Uti, right? Oh yeah. Uh Uti was very friendly, but uh he, no matter how tame he seemed and how, uh, used to my entire family, he was, he did not come anywhere near us. Uh, like no. he did not come within arm's reach and he definitely didn't sit down. <laughs> no, no. He's not that comfortable. Yeah. All so right. either, yeah, this pigeon had to have been tied down. I assume that the stunt pigeon was tied down and I'm assuming that the, uh, the pigeon in this cage... Whoever put these zombies in this cage, and I think that they were put there and not captured, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, also tied down the pigeon. Right. The stunt pigeon versus the story pigeon. Yeah, The story pigeon was also tied down, which tells me that the story pigeon was tied down not very long ago. Because a tied down pigeon can't eat. A tied down pigeon will die. Yes, of course. So, and the pigeon was not dead. Well, the whole thing is really weird. Um, And, you know... I'm really focused on the pigeon.
0: Yeah, I know. I know you are. But everything is weird. And I think we need some more explanation here. Uh, But we get two more quick scenes before commercial break. And that is Negan and Daryl in the forest. And Negan's talking about Carol not letting Daryl in on the plan and how that must upset him. But, you know, Negan's upset about it as well, to be honest. And then Daryl blames him for Hilltop, right? So... You can't expect us to be friends all of a sudden when, you know, you burned down Hilltop and a lot of people died. And then we go to Beta and he's looking at his old album. Uh, it's a live album. He decides to put it on the turntable, which is just there conveniently, turn it up uh-huh. real nice and loud, and it draws all the nearby walkers towards the building. So
1: you're not an electrician, right? Nope, not an electrician. Okay. Can you hook a turntable up to a car battery? Tell me what happens when you hook a, car, a turntable up to a car battery.
0: I don't think the turntable works.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it might
0: blow up. I don't know. And, and, and that's a very simple answer. Yeah. It's like, I don't think it's, uh, it's definitely not that easy, but you know what, man? I mean, everyone has different skills. I'm sure there are people that could figure out a way to hook a turntable up to a car battery and make
1: it work. Well, you need an inverter right, right. And, and cars have those inverters cuz you can get cars with like three prong plugs in them you can buy an inverter at uh, Canadian Tire for you know 30 bucks or whatever yep uh hook it up to a battery and you got yourself uh you know ac power but converting you know 12 volt or uh 24 volt direct current battery into 120 volt alternating current uh that the turntable runs on on uh is not a simple task it's not a matter of just plugging things in and, uh, I'll tell you how I know. When I was a kid, we, uh, we went to camp and in Northern Ontario camp is, uh, the cottage, even though, uh, the camp or the cottage that we went to, uh, didn't have running water or an indoor plumbing, but it did have a fridge and it did have power, right? So there was a power plug and my parents, uh, had a ghetto blaster because this was the eighties and they had this ghetto blaster and it was running off of batteries because they forgot the power cord at home. Uh, then they were like, wicked drunk. It was my parents and my uncle Dougie, which doesn't surprise me, uh, that he was there, but the, the, the tunes stopped at like, you know, one o'clock in the morning and they were all hammered out of their skulls. So they decided to try and figure out how to get this ghetto blaster to work. Uh, and they thought, well, we should plug it into the wall. Like, you know, get some wires, you know, cut some wires and, you know, hook it up to the back and then plug the wires into the socket and they're like, well, that doesn't seem like it's a great idea. I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster. So let's plug it into the car battery. (laughs) So they were trying to wire it up to the car battery and they fried the ghetto blaster and they probably caused a spark, but luckily my uncle Dougie was there with a broomstick to whack my stepfather in case he started getting electrocuted and they wanted to cut the circuit. So, uh, yeah, they just fried everything. Uh, uh, they Luckily, didn't break the car, but they fried the a blaster for sure. Sounds like a did. good time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure they had a blast. They thought it was hilarious. Yep. Uh, but so, based on that experience <laughs> that I witnessed, uh, this would not work. <laughs> well, no,
0: technically it wouldn't work. But I'm I'm just saying that maybe maybe Beta knows how to do these things because I work with guys that would know how to do this, given the right materials and, and tools, but, uh, yeah, you find an inverter. You don't right build your own. No, right? exactly. it didn't strike me. Anyway. You know what? So, here, here's the thing. It could have already been done, right? There were all these records there. Whoever had been living in there was clearly a music person. So maybe that person had hooked it all up and Beta just got lucky and it still worked. Okay. Right. All
1: right. I think I accept
0: that, that that's probably the best explanation. But anyways, he draws all the walkers nearby. He starts reforming his herd. Uh, After a commercial break, we are with Carol. She comes to a cabin. Alpha's still talking to her, antagonizing her, doing her thing. Um, Alpha mentions that when Carol was out on the ocean, she was thinking about Alpha. You know, she can't get her out of her mind. Alpha mentions a letter that uh, Carol sent to Maggie. Um, which I forget if we had heard about before, but I know we'd heard that there had been some letters back and forth. So yeah, cause um, we
1: talked about, uh, postal service. Right, right. How right. the, how but, the
0: letters were being trans- transferred or carried. Yeah. Explain that for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, uh, you know, whatever, I guess there is one. Um, Carol is trying, she climbs up on something and she's trying to get something down from like an upper shelf, but it all collapses down on her and she's trapped.
1: Yeah, and that's why I don't do that kind of thing. It's good, good idea to be careful, yeah. Don't stand on precarious crap to reach other crap that you don't absolutely need. So a nice stable foundation like a good ladder or some scaffolding is always a good idea. Or don't get that thing down.
0: You know, I mean, just don't use a swivel chair because that's going to go bad for sure.
1: Or I would, I'd, I personally would not use a regular chair. A kitchen chair? I wouldn't do that. Nah, kitchen chair's fine, depending on how high it is. But swivel chair, bad. Rolly yeah, chair, all... bad. My uh, my kitchen chairs are not that stable. Okay. <laughs> They're probably going to break as it is. Only put your ass on them. Don't stand on them.
0: Yeah. Good. Well, she's trapped now, so she's trapped under all this debris. We go over to Negan, and he brings Daryl back to the spike where Alpha's head was supposed to be, but of course it's gone. Uh, This you know, upsets Daryl a little bit. He raises his crossbow again. Uh, Daryl says Negan took too long and Negan kind of comically wonders why they're also obsessed with the, how long it took him. And then suddenly two whispers show up with a shotgun, but after a second, they lower their weapons and kneel to the new alpha. So these guys consider Negan the new alpha because he killed the old alpha and Negan thinks this is hilarious and starts laughing,
1: well yeah, because that's how you uh, that's how succession works right It is I some, guess some places, right you kill the king, you get to be king or you kill uh, you kill the person in charge. I mean, wait a minute, isn't that how that's how their society works, right? Because Alpha said to beta are you ready to challenge me?" And he said, no. Mm-hmm. so she's ingrained into their society. whoever kills alpha becomes alpha.
0: Right. So this is understandable
1: for these two guys to think this is how it works. So the, the shithead that got uh, uh, his ear bitten off, uh, Beta was basically, maybe this is just occurring to me, that Beta was saying, no, that's not how succession works, you moron, because that's not what Alpha said. Uh, I don't become Alpha because my name is Beta. I be- I only become Alpha if I kill Alpha. I mm-hmm. did not kill Alpha, so... I can't become alpha. So maybe he's going to go find Negan and anoint him alpha. <laughs> Cuz he knows what happened too. So maybe th- maybe I misinterpreted the whole thing. Yeah? Yeah, well these guys think
0: it should be Negan and Negan seems to love this idea. He starts laughing. We go
1: to commercial break. Did you uh did you think that uh Negan was going to become alpha and start to lead the whispers? Or did you think that somehow alpha or sorry, somehow alpha Negan slash alpha was going to take advantage of this situation and save Daryl?
0: Um,
1: you know, I didn't, I didn't really go either
0: way, to be honest. Uh, I don't feel like I had time to think about it, even though there's a lot of, uh, actually, no, there's, there's not much in between the resolution of it, but, um, I, I didn't think. I didn't think Negan was going to shoot uh, Daryl, right. but I. it also didn't occur to me that he would turn and shoot the other whisperer.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I knew that was going to happen, but I think that uh, they were trying to push us as an audience into uh, thinking, oh, Negan's a bad guy and he's going to now become the, uh, the leader of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And now it'll be Negan against uh, Alexandria again. Again. I think they were, yeah, they were trying to push us towards that conclusion. And I, you know, I knew full well exactly what was going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know he was going to, you know, talk the other guy out of the shotgun and shoot him in the face. But uh, I knew that the these guys would end up dead and yeah. Negan would save Daryl.
0: I mean, I feel like I should have known that. But, I mean, all we get in between is we go over to Beta real quick. His music is still playing. And now he's up on the balcony overlooking
1: his... Horde of new walkers and slash audience. Audience, you exactly. know, he's a performer, he likes to be in front of an audience, it's his audience. Well, there you
0: go, he's generated a new audience for himself, but he tears off the section of mask that he had replaced again, so he pulls that off. And then we're right back with uh, with Negan and these whispers and Daryl, and they they tie up Daryl. You know, Negan tells him to get down on his knees. And he takes the shotgun from the Whisperer, as we said. And then he pretends like he's going to shoot Daryl, but he turns and he shoots the other Whisperer and then the two of them fight off the other guys. And, uh, now, you know, Negan and Daryl are a team again. So, so I, I feel like I didn't have a lot of time to think about it, but you're right. It's the kind of thing that feels like you should have seen coming a mile away.
1: I have two questions. Yeah. What the hell is a Whisperer doing with a shotgun? Well, they have like, weapons sometimes. Yes, but they, they're bladed weapons. They're silent weapons. They're up close and personal weapons. But what the hell is a, a Whisper going to do with a shotgun? Those things make a lot of noise. Yeah, yeah. Right? Ash doesn't call them a boomstick for nothing. They don't want to make a lot of noise. No, I know. So why would he have a shotgun? Yeah, it's
0: convenient, admittedly. Um, maybe, maybe weapons like that are used by whispers as a last resort. I don't know.
1: Yeah, okay, well, I, I don't know. And the second question is, did Daryl think that Negan was going to shoot him with the shotgun, or did Daryl know that Negan was going to save him? Well, see, that is an
0: interesting question, because Daryl doesn't like Negan, still doesn't trust him. Um, So I don't know. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Daryl... <laughs> I, I think that if Daryl thought that Negan was actually going to shoot him with the shotgun, he would not have gotten on his knees. You're right. He would not have kneeled. So he, I, I thought he kneeled
0: a little too willingly. The, the kneeling was, was him playing along with the ruse.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I think Daryl knew that Negan was going to save him. Or at least made a decision in that moment
0: to, to trust him after having basically just said that he doesn't. But in that moment, you're right. Whether he knew or not, he's like, I got to take this chance. Maybe Negan's going to do the quote unquote right thing here. And
1: so I'll go along with it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And then after the whole thing was over, Daryl says the perfect thing. "Untimey asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was timey.
0: awesome. It's pretty good. <laughs> Well, Sam on the internet wrote, holy crap, when did Negan go from being a cocky, evil douchebag to someone I actually kind of (laughs) like? Because it was, it was an entertaining scene. And I, if they did work together on this and they were kind of in on it, it's, it's a fun scene. And I, I liked, I liked how it played out, you know?
1: Yeah. And six years in a cell will change a man.
0: It will. It just won't change the people who put him in there as you said earlier.
1: Yeah. And it probably doesn't change a person. Well, you know, it will change you. I don't know whether it changes for the better or for the worse. It's kind of a bit of a crapshoot, but uh, apparently Negan has changed for the better. Yeah, it seems like it.
0: All right. Well, we go over to Ezekiel and the crew, and they're now sleeping under a bridge at night. And Ezekiel's horse, who's standing there, suddenly collapses and seems to be in some great amount of distress. So, Ezekiel goes over, he tends to him, but something's wrong and he has to kill the horse. So, he does that. Um, And then there's a conversation basically between him and Yumiko about, you know, Ezekiel's questioning whether he should have come. He thinks he's not strong enough to make this journey, which we kind of know from the scene before. Um, But Yumiko assures him they'll all be okay. They're all in this together and nobody knows what lies ahead for them. So, nobody cares what you had planned for the future. What we do now to find out what the future holds is important. And she says that they need a man who built a kingdom in the apocalypse. Yeah. And it's a great scene. And I, and I liked her kind of convincing him to convincing him of, or reminding him of the worth he has and what he brings to this group. Um, and I enjoyed all that stuff, but again, I'm confused about what happened with the horse. (laughs) The horse got bit. I guess it but got it, bit I, in that in the scene earlier when Ezekiel almost gets bit.
1: Yeah, because they, they, you know, it was quick, but they cut to a shot with a a bloody round mark on the horse. So I assumed that uh, the horse was uh, was bitten in the previous encounter, but I don't recall seeing that
0: yeah I don't either I was confused about exactly where what was going on with the horse and even on second watch I'm like it it seems like it's out of nowhere the horse just suddenly starts dying collapses kind of thing and you know it's it's uh it's the kind of thing that would get Ezekiel's attention and I get it and so on but I guess you're right the horse was just bit in that previous encounter and it just didn't seem that obvious to me so again maybe I missed something but I don't know. So. A zombie bite will kill a horse. Yeah. Zombie bite kills anything. Will a zombie bite make a zombie horse? No, animals can't be zombies.
1: You're sure because Ezekiel stabs him in the head.
0: Well, we don't see it. He stab he could've he could stab him in the neck to like kill him quicker, but I don't know. But no. Animals cannot be zombies. That is a rule of the Walking Dead universe. Alright. So But a zombie
1: bite killed that horse. Sure. I don't know.
0: But he, I mean, Ezekiel was just putting the horse out of its
1: misery so it didn't have to suffer while it died, I think. Yeah. But what? how do you do that? You stab it in the head. I assume horses have soft heads like humans. So uh, you stab it in the head, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think a zombie horse would be pretty cool. (laughs) It would be cool, but it's not going to happen. And if it
0: does, we have entered new territory. So no zombie horses.
1: Well, if there's zombie horses, then you have to have ghost horses, right? Right. And we don't want that. <laughs> we don't want that. No. That's just crazy because man alive, can you imagine the chaos that would happen if a ghost horse could read your thoughts? Uh, yes, it would be quite the situation. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be bad. <laughs> Very bad. bad. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we go to Carol. She's stuck under the debris that has fallen on top of her. There's a walker crawling out of the creek that's nearby. And Alpha's still there, talking about it finally being Carol's time. Um, now, here's the thing. At one point in this conversation, the show does something that kind of bugged me. Because Alpha turns to the walker and says, This way, friend, we're ready for you. Yep. And I didn't like that. Because this this <laughs> Alpha is in Carol's mind. So, in my opinion, should only be talking to Carol. Should not be interacting with other, I mean, I know a zombie's not a person, but other things in the environment. And so, if that's the case, to me, this meant that Carol herself was calling that walker towards her. And I actually started thinking that Carol was going to let it get her. She was ready to go. She was going to let this walker bite her. And eat her and kill her. Otherwise, why would you have you know mind Alpha talking to the zombie rather than to Carol?
1: Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. Okay did did the zombie react to Alpha? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. So, uh, so if the zombie reacted to Alpha, then that would definitely mean that Alpha's a ghost.
0: Well, right? yeah, and that would have been dumb.
1: I'm glad they didn't do that. So, uh, maybe it was just Carol's subconscious, uh, you know, saying things. Maybe she, you know, part of her mind was, uh, was ready. Maybe part of her was ready to, uh, to give in to, uh, to let the zombie eat her. Yeah. And so that manifested as Alpha turning and, uh, and interacting. So I understand the mentality of it, but, and I think you do too. I'm thinking that, you know, is your biggest problem that, Alpha, sorry, a, a, a part of Carol's subconscious should not react to any or not uh, interact with anything other than Carol. Well,
0: well, no, I'm ultimately I'm okay with it because I I do think the explanation is that part of Carol's subconscious was considering the idea that this is it for her, and maybe it's better for everybody if I let this zombie get me because I won't then be around to hurt people anymore or put people in danger or whatever. Um, so I think, I think that's what we're, we're seeing here and I'm okay with that. Um, but you're right. I'm glad that the zombie didn't react to alpha cause that would have been dumb. Um, and if it, and- but if it's anything else than sort of that interpretation, I think it's a misstep because he can't have Carol's subconscious react, interacting with something in the physical world if her subconscious is only in her mind.
1: Right. And I personally was ready for Alpha to start moving some of the debris out of the way. Well, that... And helping her her out.
0: That wouldn't have worked at all for me. You can't have a a vision or a hallucination start interacting that way with the physical environment. It doesn't work.
1: It does work. Well, not in this show, but it's happened before, and I'm going to spoil The Shining again, but it happens in The Shining. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) Right? Yeah, fine. That, That ghost, that bartender guy... Helps, uh, Jack out of the freezer. Right? right. Jack is stuck in the freezer by his wife with a like a physical peg that was in there. There was no way for him to get out unless somebody lifted that peg out, and it could not have been Jack. Okay, but and if ghost... all of these, if all of these people that he saw, including the bartender and the other people, if they were figments of his imagination, that could not have happened. Fine, but ghost
0: and subconscious manifestation are different.
1: They are different. Okay. So, I was ready for Alpha to be a ghost. Right. Like I kind of agree with you that she's not a ghost, but uh, uh I was I was ready for her to be a ghost. I'm like help her out, Alpha. Come on. Come on. No. No help. Not no a help. ghost. So,
0: I think we can hopefully put that to bed.
1: Yeah, well, it'll come up again.
0: Okay. Well, Alpha continues talking about how there's nobody coming to save Carol. Carol is struggling to get out now. And Alpha starts listing the many people that Carol has lost to death. And then eventually she tells Carol, you know what you have to do? Look at the flowers. Just look That's at the, the f- flowers. Death is coming.
1: Best callback ever. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Um, I think it's kind of sad that they named the episode that. I think that if this callback happened when the, ep- if the episode didn't have the, have that in the title, mm-hmm. that, uh, the impact of that on my subconscious or my conscious would be, uh, higher. I would have enjoyed it a lot more if I didn't know that something like that was coming. But yeah. still good.
0: Yeah. Still good. But you're right. I mean, that's a, that's a little bit of an episode title spoiler in a way, right? Um, you know, we yeah, the,
1: the episode title was, uh, you know,
0: the best line from the whole show. The yeah. whole episode. Yeah, it's too bad. They should have called it something else. At this point, though, the zombie, you know, breaks through what it's stuck on. And Carol escapes just in time. She kicks the walker away and then stabs it in the head. Then she collapses. And Alpha looks, is looking down at her for a second. We cut back to Carol. And then we cut back to the view, like looking up from Carol's position. And Alpha is gone. So I think we are to believe that Carol has successfully excised, is that the word, alpha from her from her mind. And I exercised, don't exercised excised. or excised, removed <laughs> alpha from her mind. So this is why I was saying earlier that I think we are already done with alpha being in Carol's head. She she Carol made a decision at that moment under that debris to free herself to get out and put Alpha away or eliminate her from her
1: subconscious. And we won't be so, seeing it again, I think. So Carol was born again. She was born from her dirt womb? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pile of
0: debris. She, pile she of debris from, womb. From the pile of debris womb, yes. Okay, so now she's Survivor Girl. I think so, yeah. I think so. Okay. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you here is there was a rather distinct cracking sound as Carol freed herself. And I feel like we are supposed to think that she had to break her own arm to get it free from whatever was stuck under it. Um, but maybe I'm not hearing that right.
1: No, she, you know, uh, tapped into her uh, absolute strength mm-hmm. and uh, cracked whatever was holding her down.
0: So she didn't crack her arm. She cracked the wood or whatever was stuck on top of it. She would have screamed if she broke her arm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it didn't look like she had a broken arm after the fact, but if you listen to it, it really sounds like there's some, like, bone crackage there, and, and that's what she had to do to get free, but I don't know.
1: Have you ever heard an actual bone crack?
0: Well, I, I've heard plenty crack on movies and TV shows, so that's how I know what they
1: sound like. Okay, so they sound like lettuce breaking in <laughs> half, is what you're telling me. <laughs> sure. Like a Nice, crisp head of lettuce. Cracking in half. Snap, yeah. Or, you know, um, celery, like a couple of celery sticks. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that sounds like, okay. So yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. I think that, uh, you know, I personally have never broken anything, but if I broke my arm, I probably would scream. Yeah, probably. Um, but in any case,
0: she's under a lot of duress at that moment. I I felt like that's what she had to do. Everybody out there, let me know if you think, if you had that same thought or if it's just me, but uh, I don't think that's what they went for because it later on didn't seem like she had a broken arm. But at the time I was thinking, oh my God, she had to crack her own arm to get out of there. Luckily she did because she's
1: okay. Didn't occur to me.
0: All right. Well, she's escaped. um, And we see, was just before the commercial break, we had a quick shot of Eugene and the gang approaching a city skyline. And Cindy in Columbus, Ohio, wrote in and said, holy crap, wasn't that the Atlanta skyline? (laughs) And probably, yes, Cindy, it was. But the meeting that Eugene is going to is supposed to take place in Charleston, West Virginia. And of course, because they shoot in Atlanta, Atlanta, or in Georgia, I should say, Atlanta is standing in for the skyline that they have. Um, But I thought they did an okay job of more or less uh, disguising the skyline of Atlanta to look like some other city because I've been to Atlanta a bunch and I didn't immediately go, oh yeah, that's Atlanta right there.
1: Well, I don't know from Atlanta skyline, but, yeah. um, uh, I don't think it was Atlanta. Well, I, I you think know, it would was. Be, would it be fairly easy to get a establishing shot, you know, from, uh, you know, there's city skyline shots of every city in the world. Yeah, fair. I assume. So, you know, go out to a stock photography place and get a, uh, you know, get a shot of of the skyline that you need. Yeah. Or, you know, make a phone call. You know, there's got to be, what what city is it supposed to be in again? Charleston, West Virginia. Charleston, West Virginia. I bet you if Charleston, West Virginia has photographers that you could hire to take a goddamn photo. (laughs) Probably, yeah. (laughs) So take a photo, send it in, use it. I think, you know what, I think they did an
0: okay job. I looked up the skyline of Charleston, West Virginia, and there is this big black square building that you can see in the skyline. And, and in this shot, there's a big black square building. I mean, I thought, I think they did some digital modifications on whatever they did have, and I thought they did an okay job. So, uh, yeah, it didn't immediately jump out to me as Atlanta, even though it probably was. But uh, in any case, that's where Eugene and the gang are approaching, and it looks like they're almost there.
1: Yeah, and it was very uh, reminiscent of the Atlanta shot of uh, Rick riding his horse into Atlanta in the first season, which is actually a poster right behind you. Yep. Uh, uh, So it was very reminiscent of that. And the other thing is that they're walking over a bridge, Mm -hmm. which I'm pretty sure they slept under last night. I think so too. It looked like the thing, it looked
0: like the same bridge. Yeah, they slept under it, came up on top, and now they're going over.
1: They're like, oh, we got to go that. Oh man, we got to find an off ramp of wherever we are on this road. And you think they had a map and they had to go all the way around? What pain in the ass that would have been. I'm sure they had to though. So after
0: the commercial break, we come back and Negan and Daryl are sitting there waiting for Carol to return. Uh, Negan says that Carol's not coming back. And, um, you know, he admits to liking what he did with the whispers to enjoying it. Uh, especially after all those years behind bars, he says, you know, I did have a good time doing what I did.
1: Yeah, well, he got laid, right? Yes, he did. (laughs) So, you know, uh, when all is said and done, uh, you know, sure it was sexual assault and not really uh, consensual, uh, but, you know, doesn't matter, had sex. Doesn't matter, had sex. Yeah, okay.
0: Well, um, he starts talking about Alpha and he says that, you know, he was sort of okay with them, but she took it too far because she killed people who didn't deserve it. And you never kill kids. And she wanted to kill her own daughter. So that's what took it too far for Negan.
1: Um, at this point, Daryl just sort of gets up and walks away. So bashing people in the head with a barbed wire covered baseball bat and then laughing at them because their eyeball popped out. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's fine. They deserved it. And they it. deserved it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, his line is fuzzy. <laughs> maybe a little maybe a little yeah yeah. I don't forgive I don't forget right well that's true that was a very traumatic night for me watching it I know for everybody it, so. How can
0: viewers uh, how, of the show in half in one night
1: yeah how can how can all these characters forgive and forget when uh, you know I can't because it was traumatic for me yeah well I, I hear you man uh We
0: cut to some time later and Carol is returning to Alexandria. Daryl's already there and he opens the gate for her. She walks by without a word. So I guess they gave up. I guess that Daryl decided that they're not going to wait anymore because, I mean, Negan says she's not coming back. So I guess they've gone back to Alexandria. Negan is who knows where back in his cell or still sitting there waiting for Carol Um, but either way, Carol returns, doesn't look like she has a broken arm to me. So this is when I'm like, okay, I guess she didn't break her arm, but.
1: Or she was gone so long that it healed. (laughs) Or maybe, I don't know. She didn't give a timeline. She didn't even say I'll be back uh, soon. No. Which is, uh, you know, the, the criteria for Negan, uh, coming back with Alpha's head. Do it soon. Soon. So, you know, she didn't give a timeline.
0: So we don't know, really. All we know is Daryl's back there. So Eugene and the crew are entering the city. Now they ride their horses around and they pass a bunch of really weird stuff. Like walkers set up in these strange arrangements and wearing funny hats and clothing and, uh, uh, what do you call feather boas and stuff like that? Right. And they're, they're tied to chairs, having a tea party or a drink and they all look sort of funny. And then they come to a walker that's, handcuffed in a car in the driver's seat. And then there's a walker dressed up like a police officer, handcuffed outside. And it's all very funny, as demonstrated by Ezekiel, because he looks at them and starts laughing hysterically. <laughs> like it's the funniest well, thing he's ever seen.
1: It's all very macabre. And they're all chained down, right? The driver's chained to the seat. And yep. the And the uh, police officer's chained. And the, the guy in the uh, the cart, the drivable cart, oh, is yeah. chained. And <laughs> everybody's chained down. So somebody... Uh, thinks it's funny. And apparently they have the same sense of humor as Ezekiel because Ezekiel's a theater guy too, right? Right. And this is theater. Oh yeah. Well,
0: he thinks it's the funniest thing he's ever seen because he just laughs and laughs. So they continue down the street and suddenly in front of them, there's a woman. She's wearing herself a pink fuzzy jacket. She's got like purple highlights in her hair and she's holding a really big gun. And she looks at them and yells, oh, my God, hi, very enthusiastically.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: so there you go. Um, now, comic readers will know who that is. Jason. Oh, will they? Really? Jason, you are not a comic reader, so I'm going to leave it alone for now. We'll probably get into it next week a little bit more. Um, and in fact, I won't even say her character's name yet because I don't want to ruin it for anyone. But uh, okay. us comic readers know who this is and what she role she plays going forward. Cool. Anyways, we go back over to beta and he's back in his, in the little bar restaurant, whatever it is. He, he, um, he looks at that paper again that says two eyes, one truth. And then he takes alpha's head out of her sack and thanks her for making him see things now. And then he stabs a knife into the side of her head So he has now double-killed Beta. She's no longer a reanimated
1: zombie head. So a couple things. One, again, that knife just slid into that skull with almost
0: zero resistance. But Yeah, but you know how things work. You just got to accept it.
1: Yeah, I I still got to call it out. Okay. And this is the moment where I assumed that that this very moment... Uh, coincided with the very moment that Carol escaped from her uh, her dirt womb. Oh, that, that, that Beta, uh, the Alpha's ghost went away when Beta killed or stabbed Alpha's zombified head in the in the skull.
0: Interesting. So everything is coming together, is what you're saying?
1: Yeah. So this is uh, I like they're playing with timelines a little bit here, uh, but. Uh, I think that uh, those two moments kind of coincide and that Alpha was actually a ghost and that to dispatch a uh, ghost only exists in the zombie apocalypse because the undead roam and the soul has left the zombified remains but is still roaming the earth because the soul and the body are connected. The body has to die in order for the soul to move on. So the soul is stuck there uh, and is walking around and only some people can see them. And I assume that Carol is one of them. And hopefully she doesn't see, uh, once man, I hope they don't find out the ghosts of the zombies, uh, that Carol can see them because they'll all just show up at her house and be like, Hey, (laughs) Hey, 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 we we have something to say. (laughs) We're here. Did you can see us? I heard, I heard that you're here. You're a celebrity now. eh? All right. Well, listen, I think
0: that I don't think this is a thing in the walking dead universe. However, I think it's an interesting concept and someone should write a screenplay based on this idea.
1: Yeah. Well, of course, you know, zombies were created by liches. Well, yeah, but whatever. That
0: has nothing to do with your ghost idea. The fact no, that it it, it but, you know. But,
1: uh, you know, where are the vampires? Where are the, where are the werewolves? Don't take it too far. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not too far. Yeah, of course. Anyways. <laughs> your line, my friend, is fuzzy. Oh, yeah, I'm not the
0: only one, apparently. Yeah. So Beta slides the knife into her head Alpha is now double dead, and Beta then opens the door, walks out amongst the walkers that he's summoned that are still crowding around. They all follow him. Camera pans down, and we see that he has replaced the missing side of his mask with half of Alpha's face. (laughs) So now he is the Alpha and the Beta, and that's depicted
1: on his mask. And he starts leading his zombie fans into uh, the future. Yes, he does. Exactly. Into the next episode. So there you go. I assume that uh, as soon as they cut the black, that he started doing Thriller. Because that's (laughs) kind of what it looked like to me, is that he was right there in front of all these zombies, uh, and there was music playing before. I don't know if it's exactly going to be Thriller, but I assume that's what he was going to do. Of course, because why wouldn't you? You know, start dancing around. Yeah. If, you know, if Michael Jackson was ever made it into the zombie apocalypse, uh, I bet you he'd train some zombie dancers. He might even go and collect his uh, backup dancers because, you know, zombies do have residual memories. Mm -hmm. uh, So he would get those dancers to do thriller with them. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Because you need something to pass the time when you're not looking for food or
0: shelter or clothing.
1: Yeah, that's right. Okay. But luckily that'll never happen. Well, of course not, Jason. What did you think of this episode? I thought it was fun. Fun? I, th- I thought it was overall. It, w- it was fun. It was fun to uh, play with theories in my mind of what the hell was going on. Sure. Alpha's a ghost. Alpha's a figment of Carol's imagination. Uh, uh, what is Beta doing? Beta has fans. We found out about Beta. You know, mm-hmm. was he? Uh, you know, was he a rock star? Was he a country star? Was he a, a movie star? Was he a wrestling star? Was he a monster truck star? We had no idea. But now it kind of resolved into uh, a country music star yep. or folk singer, country well, kind of. country star, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Either way. Uh, yeah. And uh, Half Moon, really dumb name. Half Moon. I hope they release
0: an actual Half Moon record, because I'd pick that up.
1: That's, a, that's the dumbest name. Like, <laughs> it, it should have been his name, and I doubt his name is Half Moon. Or, I mean, the band maybe he plays with a band called Half moon, but the 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 guy that recognized him by seeing a portion of his face greater than you know the portion that he saw for years before uh-huh uh huh uh it's like Clark Kent's glasses, right as soon as you remove par- partially something that obscures your face a little bit, yep. uh, you've obviously recognized him um he said you're that guy, not you're in that band, yeah, I know, I know,
0: but you know maybe it's. It's uh, Beta and the Half Moon Crew, or something like that. You know, I could get on board with that.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know if the he Half had Moon to be Boys Beta
0: before Alpha gave it to him, right? <laughs> well, I don't know his real
1: name, so uh, Beta and the Half Moon Boys. I like that. Well, I think they. I got the impression that he was a solo artist. Well, so did no I. No solo solo artist has a name like Half Moon. Are you sure? No, I'm not. But <laughs> can you think of any solo artist that has a made up name that dumb? Okay, That's Bands, that, yes.
0: That dumb, I don't know, but lots of solo artists go by stage names. Like what? Well, there's millions, I'm sure. Come on, don't put me on the spot, but there's lots. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just looking for one, like Freddie Mercury, that was his real name, right? Yeah, he, he was, but he yeah. played
0: with Queen. I mean, he was He was in a band. He was in a band, yes.
1: Anyway. I mean, he did some solo stuff.
0: Well, sure, I don't know, but- uh, um, In any case, you're right. I enjoyed finding out a little bit more about Beta's past. All of that is confirmed. He's a musician, some sort of music
1: star. Sting. Sting. Sting's not his name. His name is Gordon Sumner. Uh, He goes by Sting. That's a dumb name. It's because of his shirts that he used to wear when he was a teacher. Anyway. Anyways, I don't know, but uh, you're right. Sting. Good example. It's still a better name than Half Moon. I don't know. why. Sting for loud. I like the name Half Moon. (laughs) It's when,
0: you only, right. it's when you try to moon someone, but only pull your pants down halfway.
1: I assumed it was like a half moon would be like the left cheek.
0: <laughs> and how do
1: you do that, right? Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> well, the answer is, of course, assless chaps. Sure. Special pants. <laughs> <laughs> Special half moon pants. There you go. Which might be his signature outfit. Could be. Could be. When, we when might he was find a out. solo artist. Well. I started calling him half moon. Of
0: course. Um, I thought it was a great episode. I liked how it dealt with the aftermath of Alpha's death kind of on a personal level with each character, right? Or at least started to. We saw how Beta was dealing with it. We saw how Carol was dealing with it. We saw, I mean, not really how Negan was dealing with it, but, you know, what he wanted out of this whole thing. Um, And I don't expect this to be the last of the fallout from from Alpha's death, because I think there should be some sort of something between Carol and Daryl here, you know, that they need to resolve um, at the very least. But I just liked how it wasn't, it didn't immediately thrust us back into Beta is on the war path and he's attacking Alexandria and he wants to kill everybody. He went off and he dealt with this in his own way, just like Carol had to as she was traipsing through the forest there dealing with uh, you know, her subconscious. So I thought that was great and it all worked pretty well. And next week we'll get into probably the more obvious physical ramifications of all of this.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, we we got uh beta with him with his zombie horde that he is now collected.
0: Well, that's what uh, I mean.
1: Right. Like if, if,
0: if we just, if we skipped all this and just went to beta attacking them with another horde, I'm like, well, you know, well, Judith told us that they killed most of the horde but here they are, they're back again. So I'm just, I think this was just a good opportunity to slow down for a second. It was a really talky episode. You know, a lot of people had conversations about how they were feeling about what was going on. And I think it was a good place to do that in the season. Um, Not to mention all the uh, um, Eugene stuff and, and how he had to admit to everyone that he's going to meet Stephanie. I did question for a minute, like, why Eugene just agreed to have Ezekiel and Yumiko go with him when he was supposed to go alone. Right. But I don't know. I guess even he realizes he might need some help or protection or something like that. But, uh, all of this stuff I thought worked pretty well other than that one scene where Yumiko and Magno were saying goodbye to each other. Right. So that's
1: true. I thought of something, but I forget what it was.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, you can always jump in with it at any time, but, uh, sure. Another good another good episode. This season is totally back on track for me after a little hiccup there in the middle. Uh, and as I said earlier, now we only got one more before a long break, and who knows when, when we're going to get episode 16. So, boy, do I hope that... Um they didn't set this season up with episode 15 being some like big, massive cliffhangery episode, and now we have to, and then we're going to have to wait, but,
1: uh. Well, it's going to be unresolved. Chris, I think you need to prepare yeah. yourself. It's uh, going to be an unresolved storyline for some time. Oh, yeah. It's not even unresolved in a way that, uh, you know, the writers planned, right? It's just going li- to leave you hanging. Yeah, I know. I think I'm going to have to get myself ready for that,
0: but. Uh, that's fine. As long as I know it's coming and they're doing this for the right reasons, not just trying to make us wait. You know, they're doing it because they can't finish it without endangering people's health. And that is totally fine.
1: Yeah, no, that that's good. Yeah. I applaud them for that. I don't fault them for it at all. Absolutely.
0: Okay, everyone, that is going to do it for this podcast. We will be back later this week with your feedback. So uh, make sure you get that into us. And there's a bunch of ways you can do that. What you can do is check out our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on the send voicemail link at the top and record a message right into your computer. If you have any trouble with that or you want to deliver the just most top-notch quality possible, you can use the voice memo app on your phone and record your thoughts and send those to us. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead and send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com your thoughts, your questions, your comments, or your audio files with, uh, your comments. So, um, we look forward to getting all that. We will be recording again on Thursday night this week to read that feedback. So please get it in and, uh, should be fun. So with that being said, I think that's it for tonight. So until then, everyone,
1: thanks for tuning in. My name is Chris. You said anytime, right? So here I am jumping in. All right. We're, uh, Beta was was this one of the cowboy towns that John Dory worked at? No, I think it was a real town. But you uh, think so? I think okay. so. Yeah, I thought maybe it was a, one of those made up cowboy towns that uh, were sprinkled all over the U.S. that John Dory talked about. <laughs> Could have
0: been, I guess, but uh, I don't think so. I think it was a real town that has just now been abandoned and become dilapidated. Okay. Yeah, not a not a fake John
1: Dory town. All right, good. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.
0: Maybe the most awkward finish ever. Sorry.